to Bibby, has the open shot. Welcome to the King's Insider Podcast on CSNCalifornia.com. Sponsored by Max Muscle Sports Nutrition. Introducing your host, Sacramento King's Insider, James Ham. Welcome to the King's Insider Podcast on NBCSportsCalifornia.com. I am James Ham. Joining me, I, the Kings made some trades, and I, I've got to bring in an expert. I've brought in Doug Smith of the Toronto Star to talk a little Bruno uh, Caboclo. Is that how we're saying this now? That, that's how we're saying it, yes. Caboclo. Yeah. Caboclo. All right, so you've been around him for the last four years. Uh, why don't you give us a little bit of an idea of, of, of who this kid is that the Sacramento Kings uh, traded Malachi Richardson for uh, on, on trade day 2018? Bruno is a very is is a very intriguing prospect. He's a he's a six nine kid with maybe a seven six wingspan. He's a very young twenty two years old, so that, I think that there's a lot of growth left in him. Um, Mazai Jury, who is a pretty good uh, assessor of talent, told us earlier this year, if the Raptors didn't have a Bruno, they'd be looking for a Bruno. And, and I, you know, I I don't know whether. I think time just ran out here. There's contract uh, issues at play, but I think with the, if he gets a 30 game run, he might be an NBA player. I'm one of the few people who think he's as uh, the sort of three and D skills that you need in the NBA right now. Now he has this incredible wingspan, right? Uh, we've heard upwards of like seven foot seven. I've even heard bigger than that. Um, but is that something that stands out when you when you meet him? When you see him, you look at him and you go, he looks a lot like Kevin Kevin Durant. He's long. He's hugely long, lanky, a little bit skinny, but he has this sort of like this this look about him that you think if you walked into a gym and there were 10 guys playing and he was one of them, he'd be the guy you looked at and went, man, that guy could be an NBA player. Now, whether, whether it turns out that way, I honestly don't know, but I think He's never had a chance to get a run at a consistent in a consistent stretch of games like I think that the Kings should give him now. Why do you think it is that he's never gotten that run? Because, I mean, I look at a player who's played, I, I think it's 113 total games as an NBA player over a four-year stretch. He's played a lot at the G League level, and he's actually had some nice success, especially this year. But is it just an opportunity playing for a 50-win team every year? Or is there something else here that, that we're missing? No, I, I think it's I think it's a, a, a tire function of playing for a team that has great expectations and, and great demands on players. And he, when he came here, you got to understand, Bruno was a 17-year-old kid who grew up in Brazil who had never seen an NBA practice, let alone a game, before the Raptors drafted him. He came to North America without having any any ability to speak the language or know what he was getting into. And it, it, if it took him two years to become uh, a citizen to figure out what the hell was going on around him, by that time the Raptors, by that time the Raptors were good, and there was no way they could let him develop at the NBA level. I understand that the Kings aren't 
the Kings are not particularly good, and they're, they they want to look for future pieces. This is a kid who's probably worth a look. Uh, I, I don't I don't know if he can make it, but he was never going to get a shot in Toronto because Toronto's very good and they have five very great backups right now, and and th- this might be good for him. All right, we're talking to Doug Smith of the Toronto Star. Um, you know, you talk about he came here, he didn't even understand the language. What is, uh, I mean, he had to learn everything from scratch. What is he like off the court? I mean, you've, I'm sure you've spent time interviewing him, having conversations. I've read quite a few of your pieces. Um, you know, sort of that guy who's always in the back of your mind, the what-if guy. Yeah, you know what? He's a nice kid. I, I think he's a little bit, he was, he was overwhelmed when he got here. I'm not sure he is. Uh, I'm not sure he's mentally tough enough to, to take the demands that were placed on him, but I also think he's four years older, so maybe he is now. And I, I think there are, you know, you come into the NBA as a 20th draft pick that no one's ever heard of. And, you know, the night they drafted him, we covered, I covered the team for 23 years. And I was like, who, what, where, from who? <laughs> but NBA guys, Dallas guys, San Antonio guys, Oklahoma City guys, they had him on their radar. But I'm not sure he was able or ready or capable of handling those expectations. I think now that, you know, he, he might be a washout, he might not be a player, but there are, there are no expectations on him going to a 17-win team where, it's, where I would hope he would get a little bit of time to run. I think, it's, I think Dave Yeager is good for him because I think he'll let him play through stuff because he can afford to. I, I think my friend Vince Carter will be good for him because he'll be able to take him under his wing and say, look, kid, make mistakes, be okay with mistakes, because, frankly, we're playing for the future. Let's see what you got. Don't be afraid. I think, I think the Raptors the Raptors probably wanted more of him quicker than they, they could have gotten. And then Messiah Jury today, the, the president, said, look, when they drafted him, they didn't have their own D-League team. So they didn't have any place to stash him and let him learn how to be a pro. And that, I think that hindered his development an awful lot. Now that he's been in the D-League, G-League for a long time, played a little bit of NBA basketball, I think he's more capable of handling what's going to be thrown at him, especially on a team that has no expectations. Yeah, I like the idea of him. Uh, certainly the, the Kings needed to sort of reevaluate what it was that they were doing with that, that small forward position. Their roster is very unbalanced. Uh, and, you know, the Kings are, have just done the same exact thing, giving up on a young prospect in Yorgos Papianis, uh, yeah. where, you know, a, a G League situation full-time for two or three years might have been the right thing, but it's hard at the NBA level to just eat up a roster spot continuously. And so I guess this is an opportunity for everyone. Uh, I, I'm excited to see him play. I'm excited to see him walk in the door. You say good things about him. Um, is there something about his game that you like uh, that will stand out when Kings fans see him? I like the way he, I like the way he catches and shoots the ball a lot because that's, that's vastly improved since he got here. He's very fluid. Uh, and I've, I, I, the G League team here is, is in my hometown, a suburb of Toronto, and I've seen a lot of them there. He defends really well now, and he, he never did. He, 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 was, you know, he, was, he was like a long, skinny teenager. He didn't have any clue what he was going against, but he sort of learned how to defend with his feet and, as opposed to just his hands. Mm-hmm. But his catching and shooting ability, I think, is, is what has really impressed me in the last 18 months. If you look, you know, 
games into the way the NBA is going. You want like everybody, everybody needs to be able to make a three. This kid can catch and shoot and make a three, and, and guarded or unguarded. And I think that I, I, I'm really, I, I, I'm not going to see a lot of Sacramento Kings games the rest of the year. But I'm sort of excited to read about him and find out what he does because I think, given a chance to play, he might be able to. And frankly, it's a no-risk proposition for everybody, right? The Kings have invested nothing in him. They're out from under contract this year if they want. They're not going anywhere. So why not see if you get that gem, that this, this sort of diamond in the rough that you could polish and make into a valuable NBA player? I completely agree. Uh, definitely an opportunity for a young player. Uh, they don't often get that, and, and you'll see with Malachi Richardson, he's a young player that got an opportunity. He played well in his opportunity and looked like he was going to build on something, and then he tore his hamstring last year. And from that moment yeah. on, he kind of fell out of the rotation. He fell quickly behind Justin Jackson in the rotation, uh, and Justin Jackson fell out of the rotation. So if that tells you where Malachi Richardson was, um, you know, sometimes players just need a fresh start. It looks like both players will get that. Uh, a trade of two young wings, roughly around the same age, uh, who maybe just get a new opportunity, and hopefully they uh, they each can take advantage of it. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. I know you know we've got uh, in the busy NBA world, uh, piecing out ten minutes uh, the day after the trade deadline isn't easy. Uh, but Doug, again, thank you for coming on, and we'll we'll keep tracking this, uh, and hopefully we'll keep in touch and see how Malachi is doing up there in Toronto. Absolutely. My pleasure. Anything you need, James, anytime. No problem. All right. Thank you. That is Doug Smith of the Toronto Star. Uh, again, thanks so much for coming in. Get ready for the 2018 Olympic Winter Games with the podium. The only podcast with a front row seat to all the action in Pyeongchang, bringing you in-depth stories of top Winter Olympians. Listen to the podium on Apple Podcasts. Welcome back to the Kings Insider Podcast on NBC Sports California. I am James Ham. Joining me, Mr. Doug Christie. Doug, I, I had uh, I had one of your friends on the fr- front half. Uh, huh? Uh, yeah, Doug, oh. S- Doug Smith. Uh, T-O? T dot tr- O dot? Toronto, uh, the yeah. Toronto Star. Toronto yeah. Small. D- Doug Smith is a good dude, man. He's been up there the whole time. Met him first year. Great guy, man. I, I, I always enjoy Doug. I, I uh, good good dude. Plus, just you know, not if you didn't notice, his first name is Spot Freaking On. Yeah, it's it's somewhat close to yours. Kinda. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, there is an O and a G and all those things. Come on, man. Really, shots fired. <laughs> <I see. laughs> all right, so uh, Doug, we got some post post tra uh, post trade traumatic stress syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the Kings were active. They were active on uh, the trade deadline, which was Thursday. Um, everyone, I, I think, has probably picked up on the news by now, but uh, George Hill was shipped to the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Sacramento Kings. Got Joe Johnson and Iman Shumpert in that deal. They also received a 2020 first round pick, uh, second round pick, excuse me, from the Miami Heat. Uh, and in addition... They picked up uh, $3.2 million in cash. They also traded Malachi Richardson to the Toronto Raptors, which uh-huh. is why, of course, we had uh, Doug Smith on. Yep, yep. Uh, and in return, they they got 
Man, we're going to butcher this thing on TV. It's just uh, they got Bruno Caboclo. Caboclo. Uh, a six foot nine, twenty-two year old small forward. Eight foot wingspan. Yeah, eight foot. It's more like seven seven, but eight foot sounds awesome. It does. I mean, it means he can tie anyone's shoes from across the room. <laughs> um, and uh, the Kings waved Yorgos Papianos. They pulled the trigger and ended the Papianos experiment after uh, a season and a half. And they're going to pay out his final year contract, which is uh, which was surprising, but maybe it shouldn't be. Uh, so, Doug, what are your your just initial thoughts? George Hill gone. Uh, Joe Johnson probably will never play for the Sacramento Kings. Chances are he will be bought out. Uh, but Iman Shumpert owed eleven million dollars on a player option for next season, uh, and then these other smaller transactions. Well, let's let's say first of all what you what you got. You got Joe Johnson. Is he going to be bought out? If he is. It makes total sense. Let him go someplace where he can win. Iman Shumpert, you don't know if he's going to accept that that uh, 11 million player option. Not really in your future. But if he does sign on, uh, if he can stay healthy, perimeter defender, whatever. Bruno Caboclo, uh, he is a an experiment. And I asked you off off air, is he a better experiment than Jorgis Papianis? And I would probably say yes because I think we agree. Yeah. yeah, the experiment is more in line with what today's basketball is. That long wing guy and the Kings. Now, can he play in the NBA? That's what we'll have to find out. But they don't have anybody that at that position. He's kind of that three, four kind of guy, yeah. and he's super long. He can do some things compared to the Greek freak. That's a big comparison, obviously. Uh, the second round pick, whatever. It could turn into something you never know. And the $3.2 million in cash we talked about as well kind of negates itself because you got to pay Papianis his salary for next year. So, in, in essence, you kind of squashed yourself out with the money in the Papianis thing, and it's gone. Part of leadership, Hannah, in my opinion, is the ability to recognize when either you made a mistake or it's time to pull the plug and having the, the ability to pull the plug. And Vladi said, bang, I did it, bang, it's done. And, you know, I was listening to, to Grant yesterday because I was in Los Angeles and he, he was making a point and it was a point that I've felt and you and I have talked about many times. To be successful in the NBA, you have to have a core. Yeah. And that's what the Kings are trying to do is they're trying to get a core. So uh, but look, before I, I'll go, I'll come back to that. But uh, losing George Hill, he did his job. He got these guys to the point that now it's your team you can go with it I think we can trust De'Aaron Fox going forward Frank Hill should uh, uh Frank Mason should be back and yep. as a as a two then you got a guy in Bogdan I think that can fill in admirably as well and last but not least obviously we talked about Jorgis Papianis but when we talk about the core I want your take on this Core used to be one guy. One guy could maybe get you to the playoffs. Then it turned into two when you had uh, Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, and you can say, you know, Tim Duncan and the Admiral, and you can go on and on when you look at pairs of twos, Shaq and Kobe. And, and then it turned to the big three. You went to Boston. Now it's turned to the four, and that's what we see in Golden State. And to be honest, we were ahead of that curve because our core was five almost, maybe six. Yeah. Uh, and that was ahead of the curve. And that's what the Kings are trying to do. So if you make a mistake, is it really a uh, it is a mistake but is it a mistake if you're still getting to where you're going that's the key do we have some pieces that can start to create that core four or core five players I would say Fox I would say Bogdan I like Willie 
Uh, I'm seeing what I see out of Frank Mason. I think Buddy Heald is on the verge. We don't really know. Is he going to be able to be that sixth man or not be that sixth man? So right there, you're, you're starting. And then you add the uh, the X factor of all freaking X factors is Harry Giles. And what I've yep. seen, the kid, can he can he I think he can do it. So now you're talking about four. And then do, do you, are you able to bring somebody else in? So from, from my viewpoint, how do you feel about that core piece? Yeah, I, I agree with you that, that it is a, a search for a core. And also, um, I, I will applaud Vlade Divac. Uh, I think he made – one of those draft picks was, was not a good draft pick. I don't know whose idea it was to draft Yorgos Papianis. It mm-hmm. wasn't a good draft pick. It wasn't a good draft pick not just because uh, he's getting waived. Uh, it, it wasn't a good draft pick because he's a seven foot two, uh, 1998, 1981 center. He's not a 2018 NBA center or even a 2016 NBA center when they drafted him. So for me, uh, that was a mistake pick. And uh, I mean, I can point out all day long that the players around him in the draft, Torrey and Prince, I think is a one guy that could really help this team. But outside of that, uh, Denzel Valentine is doing absolutely yeah, nobody's mediocre doing uh, things on a Chicago Bulls team that's god-awful. Yep. Uh, you know, Wade Baldwin didn't even make it through his first year. Right. was already waived. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of bad. Every pick from after the top eight in that draft it are, was done. are ridiculously yep. bad. Right. And, the, and it's not that, that Vlade – you just got a bad draft. Yeah. It, it was a bad draft. And I think so, – so from that point standpoint – I think that he made the right move, and this is—it's an embarrassing thing for a guy like Vlade to say. Look, I'm just going to cut the guy. I, I, I made a mistake. I, I made a poor draft choice. Now Malachi is a different story. I think Malachi has potential. Uh, I just think that sometimes guys don't don't figure it out, and Malachi needs a new place to try to understand that this is a business, and that uh, it's it's somewhere where you have to show up every single night and perform. And unfortunately for him, he wasn't able to perform. The Kings had already committed to a salary next season. So that's why you see them trade him for a guy uh, like Caboclo. Because Caboclo, the Kings own his rights if they give a qualifying offer for next season. But realistically, um, he's like a a 30-game trial run. And if you like him, you keep him. If you don't, you say goodbye. Mm -hmm. Um, But the Kings had a problem here, Doug. They had too many young players. And I've been saying it from the beginning. You can't walk into a season with no middle-aged players, with no 26, 27, 28-year-old players, except for one in Costa Cufas. You just can't do that in the NBA. And uh, and they certainly couldn't walk into next season with two more young players, with a first-round pick and a second-round pick, and try to go at this with 12 players. You just can't. You can't do it. It does not make any sense. And so what I look at right now is that they freed themselves up as far as roster spots. And it was a concern the whole time. I'm looking at the roster the whole time. We talked about this last summer. How are you going to, you know, people are like, are you going to resign Ben McLemore? It's like the answer is no. They don't have enough roster spots. So even if they wanted to resign Ben McLemore, they couldn't have. So now I think it does. It it gives you some cap uh, flexibility going forward. You got out from underneath over $8 million in George Hill for next season, and that's if Iman Shumpert opts in, if he opts out. You freed up $19 million in cap space. you got to be able to use that effectively. Uh, but this was, I think it was a bold move. But bravo, man. You made a mistake. you got to own it. you got to move on. And you can't sit there 
and spend three years trying to develop Yorgos Papianis, not knowing what he's going to be the whole time. You know, Ham, did, is Yorgos an interesting mix? He is. He's size. He, he's a little bit. He can move around a little bit, and he has a skill set. Could, yeah. could he turn into something? And, yeah, maybe. The point is, it's not how you get there. It's that you get there. Yeah. So along the along the ways, do you uh, do guys not work and do they initially work and then they don't work in the locker room or whatever it is? You have to be able to examine that. And I would agree with you from Vladi's standpoint. I think if what, if what we saw, you turn in one pick into three pick, that turn pick turns into Bogdanovich. Bang, he works. The other ones may work, may not work. It doesn't matter because you only have one pick and you needed one player and you found that player. You identified him and you found him. The same thing for De'Aaron. Fox, the thing, same thing for uh, Frank Mason, who takes up a lot because he was a second-round pick. So uh, I, I dig it. I, I dig it. Uh, I, I like what I see. You still have your pick coming up this year. Hopefully that's the type of player that you're talking about. You yeah. identify that can really do some things. And then now you're going to be in the search for those veterans that you mentioned, those middle-aged veterans. And when you talk about the middle-aged veterans, I just had to say this now. I want so our fans can understand if this is your mentality, this is my mentality. Why are middle-aged veterans important? They're important because they're an odd mix. They're a mix of knowledge and drive. Normally, when you're young, you don't have the knowledge, but you have the drive. By the time you get to the middle age, you've developed some knowledge. You still have the drive. And when you get to the super veteran, the older guy, they got all the knowledge, but they don't have any drive. I don't know if that's kind of what you were trying no, to say. No, that makes sense. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to explain that to the people so they kind of understand our, our mental breakdown of what we're trying to say. Yeah, yeah, completely. And, you know, I, I'm going to be harsh in, in one regard with this, uh, the way that this whole thing worked out. Um, I know a lot of people are, are like saying, oh, he carried the baton and he handed it off. Um, I don't see that. And what I, what I saw from George Hill is not that. Um, what I saw is a player who came in, took a whole bunch of money, saw the situation he was in, and instantly, oh, this isn't what I thought. Well, I don't know what you thought, but it doesn't take like any forethought. All you got to do is be in the NBA to know what a situation is when you have 10 young players. I mean, there's no secrets here. It's mm-hmm. not like they sprung something right, right. on George Hill. And so for me, you took $20 million. I expect you to come in here and be the best player. And not by by the midway point in the season, by game, what are we at, 50-something. He wasn't a top five player on this team. I mean, where is George Hill in this? And so the Kings had to give up a few things. And I don't really think they, they killed themselves here. They didn't have to give up any of their core eight. They didn't have to take on a, a ridiculous contract to get rid of George Hill. All of these are good things, and Absolutely. I think it's admirable that that Vlade Divac and Brandon Williams were able to accomplish this. Yes, um, you know there was talk of J.R. Smith, which was just been a disaster. Um, I don't mind Shumpert, and if Shumpert's here next season, I hope that he will own the situation and that he will take on a leadership role of a small forward, which hopefully they get in the draft. And he'll help develop a player like what George Hill's doing, but if you're going to take 11 million dollars, it can't just be because that's your your only option. I, I mean, maybe it is for for a guy like Shumpert, where it's like, look, if I opt out, I'm not going to make 11 million dollars somewhere else. Oh hell yeah, I'm uh, taking that money. Yeah, yeah. He he. <laughs> I mean, I, in all now. regards, he should. Um, but at the same time, when you look at a guy like George Hill, man, I, I'm not going to give him a free pass. You know what? I'm I'm I am going to give him a pass from this standpoint, him. I, he wasn't. Uh, he didn't 
play every night to the George Hill that we had have seen him play before. And I think that he will now going to Cleveland because he's going to be playing around a lot of other high IQ guys. I will say this. He came in, I don't know what the conversations of what was expected of him, but watching him talk to the guys, being professional, doing doing that type of stuff, it, it was – I never had any problems with George Hill. So from that standpoint, I can't say he didn't come in here and, and do what he was supposed to do. Did he perform at the level that I thought? Because we picked up leading scorers at the beginning of the yeah. season. I was like, no, no doubt. I mean, this guy has been that. It's gonna He's going to get easy 16 points every night, whether it wasn't pulling the trigger enough or – whatever it was but the good thing is you were able to still get off the contract your young point guard that got the tutelage that was needed in the time he got the time i'm not sure he got the tutelage i'll give him the time well he you you get tutelage just by default being around it because you see how a guy works you see how they are and i got a chance to watch them in practice a few times and i'm like okay you know george he's a veteran you can I'm not see, saying see he's a more. bad guy. I think no, no, that, yeah. I don't. I, I don't think people are, are thinking that. I'm just saying how I exa- how I'm examining it is is a little different than how you're examining. But I understand your your point. Yeah, and I mean, I, I've been here covering this team for a long time, and I've and I've seen it so many times. I think when you go out and you shop for veterans going forward, I want I want guys that are committed to the process that they're in it, and, and I mean. I look at what Zebo's provided for this team. Mm-hmm. I look the, like the fatherly figure he is in the locker room. He has a nickname for everybody. Everyone thinks of him as like old, like a dad sitting yeah, in there. He's OG. Yeah, I, I look and I see what I've seen from Vince Carter working with these young players and, you know, trying to teach Scal. You know, Vince is a shooting guard by trade, but he's trying to teach Scal how to bang in the post. Right. I, I love seeing that. Yeah. I, I see, you know, every single game I watched. Uh, Costa Kufis walk out on the court with Yogos Papianis and work out together. And, and that's what you're you're hoping that you get. I mean, Garrett Temple is a shining beacon of NBA veteran leadership in the mm-hmm. locker room. Right. So these are what I, I'm hoping that the Kings are looking for. They're looking for people who say, look, I get your situation. I want to be part of something, and and I'm okay if there's some bumps along the road. Right. And that's not always going to be the case here. You know, what – what one guy feels like in free agency and what he feels like once he walks in the door, I mean, clearly can be different. Um, but I, I want more. Again, he was the lone guy on this team at the beginning of the season you can point to and say, George Hill is an NBA starter. The rest of these guys, probably not anymore or not yet. Yeah. And uh, and for him to be on his way out and, and gone at this point in the season, I think the Kings got lucky they were able to get out from underneath his contract. Yeah, and you that's why I say when he when he goes to Cleveland, I think that he's going to perform at a different level. When he's been around uh, other players where not everything is put on him and he doesn't in playing with high IQ guys and different stuff like that and the Kings are trying to raise their collective IQ. Uh, you know, wish him, wish Malachi nothing but the best. Yeah, all of them. And I feel really bad for Yorgos Papianos. And and Yorgos as well. Uh, I feel I feel bad cuz I mean, I know I, from everything we've heard he he took it hard. Um I mean, he's probably a little confused, and he he really hasn't been able to show 
who look and what him, he is as an NBA player. Look at him. Welcome, welcome to the lifestyle of professional sports That's in right. the NBA. And it is, it is harsh. It's a business. That's why you got to do your business before anything else. And if that's the only lesson that gets learned from him, from Malachi, uh, George Hill already knows. He's been around it. These are the hard lessons that a young player, I had to learn them getting traded. And you make decisions in your life like this is real and you got to be about this every single day, all the time. And to the level that you're willing to go down that rabbit hole and sacrifice of your time and of yourself, that's going to be to the level of success that you attain in this league. Yeah, and, and Papianis walks away overall with like a $7 million, I mean, basically over his career here in Sacramento, he's made roughly 6 or $7 million. So it, it's not like I, I can feel horrible for the guy. I just, you know, you, you wish good things upon these guys. They are young. They No they, doubt. They are. Uh, even a guy like Malachi, uh, you know, he put in a ton of work to redefine his body. He's worked tirelessly to get his three-point shot to an NBA level just didn't work out and you know it, there's no question that of of the the 10 young players that he was number nine and Papianis was number 10. You know when when you when you look at these things Ham you don't look at them as a demotion or anything you look at them as an opportunity because yeah. it's another opportunity when the opportunity stop and you're no longer in the league then that's different. You're still having an opportunity. People are calling. They'll give you the chance to go show your wares. You just have to be prepared, and you got to do your deal when the time comes. Yep, that's right. All right, so uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the Kings Insider Podcast on NBC Sports California. Make sure to, uh, if you like the podcast, and I know a lot of you guys have been out there, you've been fans of the show for a long time, uh, go to Apple. Go to uh, Google Play, wherever it is you're listening to your podcast. Give us uh, a like. Give us a review. Give us uh, a subscription, um, a rating, whatever it is that you can give us uh, so we get some some feedback. Um, We'll be back next week. We'll have a spectacular guest. We're going to go above and beyond because we were trying to cover the NBA uh, trade deadline over the last two weeks. Uh, But we're going to bring in someone special for next week. So for Doug Christie, I am James Hamm. Thank you for tuning in to the Kings Insider Podcast on NBC Sports California. See you very soon.